I have a message titled, one word, drifting. Can you say that with me? Drifting. You ever seen, you ever seen it about with those expensive boats, just bring them to the dock and, and don't tie them down and drop the anchor? What, what, has, what has a tendency to happen? That's not good, is it? You seen people just drift along in life without purpose? Is that good or bad? Mm. Mm. Do you feel distant from God today? That's a personal question for everybody. Are you lacking the motivation to pray and read the Bible? Maybe at one time you, your spiritual life seemed vibrant, but that seemed to have faded. If that hasn't happened to you, it could. The inclination of every human heart is to drift from God. I want to challenge you to see if there is anything standing between you and your Savior. So we need to pay attention today. I want to make this statement. Confession to God is the key to connection with God. Did you get that? Confession to God is the key to connection with God. So when you mess up, what are you supposed, you're supposed to do? What did the Bible instruct us to do? Confess your, to your neighbor? To who? Because you want to reestablish what? Connection. You don't run away, you run. But oftentimes when people mess up, they want to run away from the church and hide. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We'll be all right. Now we're going to, uh, basically going to deal with uh, two verses of scripture today. That's it. But it's loaded. In the book of James, you've opened up your Bibles and turned to James chapter 5, if you will. I'm going to be coming from the New King James Version. And the book of James is considered to be an epistle or a letter. So when you jump into the New Testament and you start reading the epistles, you are always reading a letter and you read it as if he's talking directly to you. That's the way you read it. Not to your neighbor, but speaking directly to you. So he ends this letter in James chapter 5 with a warning related to wandering, drifting from the truth, from the assembly of believers, from the flock. You ready? James chapter 5 verse 19. Brethren, what does that tell you by using that one word? He's talking to the church. Brethren, 
If any among you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, verse 20, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of what? Sins. How much sin? A multitude of sins. Now, how many heard that verse, those verses before? This text has been often used for soul winning and evangelism. Okay? When you read the word sinner and saved and death, it would lead you to think that James is not talking about a believer. But that is exactly what James is talking about. This text is about reconciliation. Spiritual restoration. I want you to get this. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Help me, believers. It's about the prodigals who's wandered away, has turned back to the path, turned back as if he were toward home. The prodigal. James assumes at times or seasons there will be believers among believers who will wander away from the truth. They just learned the truth that they just learned from James, the book of James. Wandering away from it. Amen. Chapter 4, before you get to chapter 5, there are several imperatives or commands that he gave. So, these people who drift away, they will stray away from submitting to God. They won't draw near. They won't resist the devil. They won't purify their hearts. They won't cleanse their hands. They won't mourn over sin. They won't armor themselves in the presence of the Lord. And that's just a few of the imperatives. They don't do any of those. So James ends his letter by delivering this warning. It's a warning. Now, how many like warnings? You <laughs> get them hands up. Bridge out. Do not enter. Y'all better get them hands up. I'm going to ask again. How many like warnings? This is full of them. But we get up every day and venture into life without knowing what the warnings are. That's dangerous. Oh, you can do better than that. He would describe, this is what James is doing. He's describing the runaway. And then, watch this, then he talks about the rescuer. I love first responders. How about you? You may need one one day. The runaway and first responders. There are two, my, two primary characters in, in these two verses. Look closely. 
you'll see the prodigal and you'll see the pursuer. And then please notice the prize. P-R-I-Z-E. How many like prizes? Yeah, special Christmas. <laughs> but we call them gifts. James 5 and 19. Let's go back to it and look at it. Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, he's talking about a believer straying from the truth. Anybody know any believers who have strayed from the truth? Don't raise your hand. Just, 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 just think with me. An unbeliever, watch this, does not stray from the truth. You agree? An unbeliever doesn't stray from the truth. They never believed it. So how can they stray from something they never believed? They never welcomed it. If you go through the New Testament, and I did, an unbeliever is blinded by unbelief to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. They blinded. If they had their eyes open to it, they would be running to the truth. Amen. An unbeliever is offended by the truth. 1 Peter 2 and 8. You can, go, you can check them out. Write it down. 1 Peter 2 and 8. An unbeliever suppresses the truth. Romans 1 and 8. 1 and 18. He never comes to the truth. Because he'd rather believe a lie about God than the truth about God. Romans 1.25. He refuses to receive to himself the truth and make it his own. 2 Thessalonians 2.10. It may sound odd to hear it this way, but it's true. A believer, watch this, a believer is the only person who can actually wander away from the truth. A prodigal is a prodigal because he belongs to the family that he has left. That clear? So James uses the eros tense for the verb to wander or to stray away. That tense reveals this is someone who is not habitually living this life of straying. This is a reference to occasionally drifting away. I'm convinced believers drift every day. And they need to return every day. Can you say amen? Anybody agree with that? If you drift away every day, then you need to return every day. Don't wait till tomorrow. This guy that I read about Dean Carson. He said, we do not drift towards holiness. <laughs> That's something to think about. We don't drift toward holiness. We do not automatically drift toward godliness. Prayer. Obedience to scripture. Faith and delight in the Lord. You don't automatically do that. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. Just watch your TV. 
we drift towards superstitions and call them faith. We escape. We drift toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we escape legalism. I call that deception. There is the undertow of our fallen nature. Undertow. You get up in the morning and the pull will be to drift away from the truth. Check me now. Y'all what? Y'all listen. When you get up in the morning, the pull is to get you to drift away from the truth. Drifting is an ever-present danger in the life of a disciple. Ever-present danger. So James speaks with frank reality. That's why he brought the warning. You know, God always warns his children. Always. Problem is we're not listening, not paying attention. James 5, 19 again. Brethren, if... Brethren, if, the Greek for that, if, the probability of experience. The probability of experience. This is probably going to be your experience, in other words. The drifting away. So what is he saying? Beware. You ever went in the yard and it said, beware of dog? What are you going to do? Looking and listening. And you ready to run or shoot. My wife laughing because anyway, we ain't going to go there. <laughs> Watch this. Verse 19 again. And someone turns him back from the error of his way. From the error of his way. This is going to get interesting in just a minute. The pursuer turns him from the error of his way. The word for turn is a compound word, which literally means to turn that person around. That's a good thing. Get them turned around. In other words, they are heading in the wrong direction, and the pursuer runs up, interacts with that person, interacts with that person, not just preaching to them, but interacts with that person, and turns him around once again, and he heads into the right direction. Love God and love each other. Love God and love each other. For God so loved the world that he gave, that whosoever believeth within him shall not perish but have. He loved us just that much. Even when we were his enemies, he pursued us. And I'm thankful that he did for me because I was going the wrong way. How about you? How many was always going the right way? Because we're finna start the prayer line. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, the word term may be translated in your Bible as convert. It is used for conversion of an unbeliever who turns to God for salvation. Amen? 
It's used that way in Acts chapter 14, verse 15, and 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9. But the word can also be used for a believer who turns in repentance to once again follow after the Lord. Same word. Believers among believers will what? Drift. They'll drift. So someone needs to go and turn them around. You know what? You know what a prodigal won't do? They won't invite you to hang around with them. If, if you are true light, because you're going to expose what they're doing just by the mere fact of you being there. They won't invite you. I know when I got converted, turned around, and don't you start laughing, babe. And them guys I was hanging out with, and I ain't going to go into all that. But when I got with the Lord, they quit coming around and quit inviting me. I wonder why. I think I got a revelation. How about you? One commentator made the comment, we not only win the lost, we win the saved. And we pursue those who are sliding backwards. Amen. Today, now I'm going to talk about somebody. Today, the average believer and the church today, they put on the blinders whenever they are around that center. When they start doing things they shouldn't be doing. I ain't see that. Won't say nothing. Oh, it's going to get intense in just a minute. Is everybody looking at me? And they assume the best thing and the most loving thing you can do is never bring up their sin. And you think you're doing them a favor. So Paul told the Thessalonian believers to warn the disobedient Christians as a brother. Warn them as a brother. 2 Thessalonians 3.15. It's actually unloving to allow your Christian friend to get off track without a warning. You mean you're not going to say anything to him? And without any expression of concern. I, Pastor Hunter, I love your example you gave the other week about that young, that man that you worked with and you didn't say anything. Y'all see? Who's close to you? You're not saying anything and you're watching their life just I'm going to give you a biblical reason to say something in just a minute. So there are some misconceptions among believers about this. Number one, it's wrong to intrude into the prodigal's life uninvited. How many believe that? I said nobody believed that. Here's another misconception. It's unloving to confront their sin. A lot of folks believe that. It's none of my business. A lot of folks believe that. But the Bible says, my brother, if any among you stray, call the pastor. No, no. You the pastor right then. And someone turns him back. This is your business. I need some amens there. Now, here's a scenario. What if you, 
What would you think if your house is on fire when you get home and you call the fire department, they show up just all loud with that siren, <laughs> and they got all the gear, got the hoses, and they say, hey, is this your house? What are you going to say? What are you going to say if he asks this, this is your house? <laughs> you better say yes. Well, what if they respond, well, don't worry about it. It'll burn itself off in a couple of hours. What would you say? Do your job. <laughs> what if you saw a policeman standing there watching a group of gang boys beat up another boy? Oh, that's a bad example because they defund the police now. Sorry. <laughs> but you get what I mean. <laughs> Y'all supposed to laugh then. They are defunding the police, right? That's kind of stupid. You're going to defund the police, but when you get in trouble, you're going to dial 911, and nobody shows up. What are you supposed to happen? Anyway, a Christian who seeks his brother or sisters, who seeks after them, who's drifting away from the truth and say, it's none of my business, they don't know what their assignment is. It's their job. It's our job. It is our business. We of all people understand the high stakes that's at hand if they don't turn back. Amen. Would you notice the prize involved as the pursuer chases down the prodigal? In verse 20, it said you can turn them back and cover a multitude of sin. Get them saved. Some people are so close to hell they can smell it burning. And then a lot of us act like the fireman is this is your house and it'll burn itself out and you're going about your business. That's that's terrible. And you just watch them just drift on the hell. I'm preaching real good. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way, he's going to accomplish two things. First, he will save the prodigal. Remember, the prodigal is the one who left the flock, right? He'll save his soul from death. We call this rescue back from spiritual calamity. Rescuing them back from spiritual calamity. What does James mean when he says death? Possibly it could be an early death. Before your time. Parents are bearing their kids now. It shouldn't be that way. That's backwards. If it's the loss of salvation, it doesn't make any sense to discipline a disciple. If it's the loss of salvation, he's, the, he's done. John describes the possibility of physical death as 
discipline, 1 John 5, 16 and 17. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, Paul with the Christians' church, he says, some sleep and they die. That's when you, you go over there and talking about communion, and many of them take it unworthily. And the Bible says they sleep, that means they die. So you're supposed to examine yourself. Talks about in there, I got to say this, discerning the body. You know what that means? Anybody who's a member of the body of Christ and you put your mouth on them and then you go take communion, you may end up with your toes sticking up. Which means you got dirt on top of you instead of you being on top of dirt. Amen, somebody. Watch it. That's a what? Warning. And so they die as a result of unrepentance. Now, 2 John 1, 8, watch yourselves that you do not lose your full reward. How many want your full reward? Watch how you live. Watch how you live. You forfeit by disobedience and, and unrepentance. But a brother or sister who comes along and say, this is my job, confronts the person who's drifting away. And that person recognized by virtue of their sin, we are their involvement that God's grace is knocking at the door. We confess our sin. That person who's drifting at that time acknowledged their sin, confess it. And then they're rescued from what might be a wasted, death-like life. You know, anybody ever read the book of Ezekiel? You know what it tells us? Warn the wicked. So if you don't warn the wicked, you're so shamed that you're, you're afraid to say something. But look at the other side. He said, if you don't warn the wicked, what's on your hand? Blood. Do you want blood on your hands? Then open up your mouth and say something. Amen. Second, this is a reconciliation back to spiritual communion. Back to spiritual communion. James 5 and 20. He said you may save them. And you cover a multitude of sin. And Peter uses the same expression in his epistle. He said, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers, covers a multitude of sins. So don't get the idea, and many have, that this means we just sweep the sin under the rug. It doesn't mean that when it says cover a multitude of sin. It doesn't mean that you, you don't talk about it. Y'all get what I'm saying? Put it in a corner. Don't even mention it. No. (laughs) And then they act like nothing ever happened. And they say that's really loving. It isn't. That's not loving a person. If you're just going to sweep what they're doing under the rug and never confront them. The pursuer does not help the prodigal. 
by catching up to him, sitting down with him, and help him write a press release. Y'all didn't get that, did you? You know, a lot of people in public, they make a lot of mistakes, and they write a press release to make it bland so nobody don't really see what they actually did. And so if they never repent for what they did, guess what? They keep going down that road. I could call some names now, but I'm not. I'm talking about highly public officials. There's a Greek word for hide. I got to pick on you now. How many ever did something and tried to hide it? Uh-oh. You, wait a minute now. I see. The, uh, what, 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 Dorothy, what a prayer is it? I'm going to ask this question again. How many ever did anything and tried to hide it? I'm holding everything up. All right. He's not talking about hiding sin or sweeping it under a rug or putting it in a corner or explaining it away. He's talking about exposing it. I learned early on. You remember when I used to mess up and I told her and got it in the open and I got forgiven. Forgiven. And you confess it. You know what that means when you confess it? It's covered then. It's covered then. That is, it's dealt with. The prodigal is coming clean. That's how you know he's turning around. When you can really tell the truth of what you did. The Jews came to James... They were, what was written, they understood to have your sins covered was to have your sins forgiven. Whatever God has forgiven is no longer seen. He said he'll put your sins as far as the east is from the, you know, he didn't say north and south. He didn't say from north and south. You know why? You ever travel north, you're going to end up south. You travel east, you're going to keep going east. Those points will never meet. He said he'll put your sins as far as the east is from the and never bring it up again. But people will. Don't pay attention to people. That works for the churches as well. One commentator wrote, he said, the prodigal is not branded uh, uh, now permanently in the church as someone who once was astray, a went astray, but as a part of a company and welcomed back by his people also who have been forgiven. So you're not about a, a, a bunch of folks who never did anything wrong. They've been forgiven too. You ain't all that. You, you know what I mean? Don't walk around like you never made a mistake where people cannot approach you when they make an error. That's not the way the church is supposed to be. A multitude of sin. What a prize. Wouldn't you say? A multitude of sin. Jesus paid for it all. You ever got a bill and it says, no 
balance due, paid in full. Doesn't that feel good? Where all your sins are paid for. Watch this. Watch this. All the sins that you ever did, all the sins that you will ever do is under the, under the what? That's why, that's why I'm so thankful it would never lose its power. Now, maybe there's some prodigals in here. And you felt like your sins are so mounted up and you done drifted so far away from the shore that you can't even see the shore. I felt that way at one time. I want you to follow the sound of my voice. He will pardon you. You know who said that? The prophet Isaiah. How many sins will he forgive? A multitude of sin. So, watch this. People don't go to hell because of their sin. I just told you why. He covers a, of what? Then, then why do people go to hell? Because they haven't received the one who paid for the penalty of their sin. Everybody get that? He paid it. So, so you don't want to receive him? If you don't receive him, then your sins aren't covered. Amen. His grace is never diminished. Watch this. You, when you read your Bible, you really have to read it. Watch this. The Bible didn't say that God has love. Because if he has love, it has a tendency to diminish. But the Bible says God is love. So he never runs out. Praise the Lord. That's good to me. Grace, all those attributes of God, it don't say he have it, it say he is. <laughs> Meditate on that. That's good stuff. So his grace is never diminished. His patience is, is the patience of the father in the Bible, in, in the book of Luke, where he talks about the prodigal son. That particular instance, the son returns only to discover, to his surprise, forgiveness was not earned. It was always available and free. Anybody remember that story? About the prodigal son, I want to serve notice to you. The older brother was a prodigal too. Wasn't just the younger brother. Because the younger brother, the older brother didn't want what the younger brother got. Now that's a heart issue. When you see somebody who done messed up and they get forgiven and then you're going to have an attitude about it. Who are you? Amen. Turn around. Maybe that's the message to you. Turn around and come home. Listen to a verse that's written to believers, not unbelievers. If you confess your sins, if you confess your sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you confess. Amen. That has to do with daily practical outworking of a confessing Christian. Daily. I cannot let my garbage can keep filling up and rolling over without me taking it out. Daily. I look at my neighbor house, they got nine kids. And two adults. How many is that? How many is that? Eleven folks, right, in the household. They got three big old garbage cans. And they be running over. I just thought I'd throw that out. I don't know. <laughs> so you confess your sins. So you confess your sins. That's plural, right? Specific sins. No, Lord, forgive my... No, be specific. In Hebrews, it says that sin that so easily beset you is specific. And you know what it is. So don't just, just pray that, bro, Lord, just forgive my sin. No, tell him what you're talking about. Did you cheat on your wife? Tell him. Uh-oh, it got quiet in here. Ain't nobody cheat last night, did they? <laughs> Confess your sins Specific sins, watch this, that come to mind to who? Your Savior. That, you know what those sins do? They block your communion. They dissipate your joy. They stifle your soul. But they will be covered, dealt with, and done away with. Thus, they are no longer seen. Not because you sweep them down a rug, but because you what? Expose them to your Savior. And you say to your Savior, they're getting in my way. Amen. Now, how many took history in school? How many of you paid attention in school? Uh-oh. <laughs> I ain't going to bash you. I forgive you. <laughs> now confess. No. <laughs> I'm closing with this story. I took history and I forgot this story. Little bits of pieces came back to me as, as I looked at it. But I want you to listen closely. World War II, spring of 1940. Everybody, everybody remember Adolf Hitler? Heard about him? His armor tank division was overrunning France. Dutch, the Dutch had already su surrendered, and the Belgians also. He was just bowling over, just bowling over all these countries. Adolf Hitler and his armor division. More than 250,000 British soldiers and 100,000 Allied soldiers. How many is that? How many is that? Okay, let me back up. I said 
more than 250,000 British soldiers and over 100,000 allied soldiers. How many is that? 300,000. Good. 350,000? Okay. <laughs> uh, we, we, we may need to go back to math class. Huh? Anyway, they were, watch this, they were stuck on, a coast of, on the coast of France and in the channel port of Dunkirk. They were stuck there. How many soldiers? Over 350,000. I keep, you, these numbers going to mean something in just a minute. Just stay with me. And they face imminent capture, more than likely death. Why? Because they were what? Stuck in that channel. The Royal Navy had only enough ships to pick up 17,000 men. Did, did, did you hear me? How many soldiers were stuck in, in, in the port? How many men did the naval forces have room for? Would you say they're in a bad fix? <laughs> okay. He said, broad is the way to hell, but narrow is the way to heaven, right? Everybody got that? We got a lot of folks in trouble, and they drifting. What are you supposed, are you supposed to be doing? Hold, hold that thought. So they were stuck. While the soldiers watched as their hope was fading away, suddenly, can you say that with me? Suddenly, I love suddenly. Me and my wife were sitting on the couch the other day, and suddenly I got an email. You know what the email said? There's a check on the way. <laughs> hey! Suddenly, yeah, you know, you do some kind of way when you get to get new, you know. Anyway, a fleet of ships and boats appeared on the horizon. This is a true story. Appeared on the horizon of the English channels. Watch this. This blessed my soul. You know what showed up? Fishing boats. Tugboats. Lifeboats, sailboats, yachts. Y'all getting the picture? All manned by civilians. Spontaneously, without any direct orders. Sped to the rescue. This ragtag Amanda, I'm driving one. I got an Amanda. You know the Nissan SUV? I got one. You know what it's for? Rescue. Rescue me. Anyway. This red tag Amanda rescued all the remaining troops. How, how many were stuck? How, how many did those naval forces have room for? So what kind of boat showed up? Sailboats. Tugboats. Lifeboats, yachts. Who, who, who was manning these, these boats? Civilians. How, how, how fast did it happen? Spontaneously. Did they have any direct order? No. And so this red tag Amanda rescued all the remaining troops, over 300,000 of them. 
and then they returned them to the shores of England. And it remains one of the most remarkable, spontaneous Navy rescue operations in history. You got no hope? Here comes the tugboat. Here comes the sailboat. Why? Why? Because these are the fellow soldiers and they're trapped and they need help. Think of the church as God's ragtag boats of all kind. Shapes, sizes, personalities, background, races. And you know what? They're all flawed at some point in time. But they were pursuers of prodigals. Can you stand to your feet? Drifting. Are you willing to be a sailboat, tugboat? Everybody can't be a yacht. Everybody can't be a pastor. They're people in trouble. They're trapped. They're stuck. And they need some help. They need a kind word. They need somebody like John the Baptist pointing to the way. You know, I have a question for you. In, in listening to this message, what is God speaking to your heart right now? Are we going to continue? And knowing that we're living in the last days, are we just going to sit by and just let people just drift back and go on in hell? Are we going to do something about it and make it our business? Can you say that with me? It's my business. And you know what? Don't wait for an invitation. Prodigals won't invite you. I remember if you came to my retirement party, I had a lot of folks from my job was there. And I watched their lifestyle, their language, but they watched me too. But I went to many of them uninvited and led them to Christ. And they showed up at my party. And told me, thank you. It turned them around. Had a guy. I did some bad things with. And so when I my life was changed, he didn't invite me around anymore. Found out he had cancer. He was dying. And his wife called me, asked me to come. He wanted to see me. He said, I noticed you were different from everybody else. And I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. So I prayed for him. He received Christ on his deathbed. 
I know where he's at now. One of the biggest joys would be to see the faces again that you pray for that are gone on ahead of you. Don't pass up the opportunity. You know, people have a tendency to cry out to you that they need help, but it's not the way you think they're going to do it. Just listen. All you have to do is listen, and they're crying out. It's the way some people behave. They're crying out for help. They don't know how to. So they behave according to the environment that they grew up in. They don't know any better. Every head bow, every eye close. Maybe you are here today and you're a prodigal. You've strayed away from the flock, the assembly, from the truth. And maybe you wandered so far away and the sins have multitudes of them. They're just so big and you're so far away. You can't even see the shore and you're ashamed. But Jesus came to set the captives free. He died so that we could live. So if that's you, you're a believer but you strayed and you want to come back home. If that's you, let me see your hand. Okay. Suppose there's one in here who's not a believer and you want to get it right with God. We're here. I wouldn't leave without getting it right. If that's you, let me see your hand. Nobody looking around. Awesome. Every eye open. Every head up. Let's pray together. For those who want to get it right and those who want to come back home. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and paid in full the penalty of my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day with all power in his hand. Satan, I renounce you today from my life. Lord Jesus, I commit myself to serve you the rest of my life. I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for what he's done. I pray that this has been a challenge to you. And if you see anybody drifting, confront them. Love them. Thank you.